Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's a pleasure to have you here in the holiday season. I hope things are going great for everyone. We've got one of our big brain digital all-stars with us back for this month. Tony Uphoff is the CEO of Thomas, and he's been with us for more than a year. He's talking about what we call Uphoff on industry, where Tony gives us some unique insights on what's happening in the industrial sector, manufacturing, the fusion of operational technology and information technology, new uses of data, and some of the things that his company is in a unique position to see here. Tony, welcome back. Great to have you as always on Cloud Wars Live. Hey, Bob, great to be here and good to see you. Happy holidays, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I gotta say here, I, I get the impression looking outside where you are right now, you are not in the Northeast. Uh, I am definitely not in the Northeast. Uh, and uh, from what I understand, a bit of a snowstorm today. Yes, yes, just about six inches or so. Yeah, but all right. What the heck, what the heck, keeps yeah. it lively. So Tony, um, as always, you've passed along some interesting ideas that you wanted to, to chat about today. And I just wanted to uh, do a brief setup on this first one. We're talking a little bit about this notion of reimagination. And it's, it's interesting. It's either great minds, you know, work alike or weird minds coalesce or something. But for tomorrow morning's yeah. Cloud Wars newsletter, you know, the main theme there is about the lessons that we learned about reimagination. So you've got some interesting takes on this and tell us, you know, what uh, what was the hook there for you on that particular theme, and how do you think it's going to play out in the coming year? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and Bob, we touched just briefly on this before we went on air. You know, if I if I look back over the last couple of years of spending a tremendous amount of time with our data that shows what products and services are moving, the transformation our own company's gone through, and how we're starting to use what all defined as more advanced and adaptive technologies to be able to work with data, but then also working with a tremendous number of industrial and manufacturing companies and seeing how they're starting to deploy technology. I think there's a couple of things that are happening is, if you think about the previous wave of technical adoption, it was fundamentally around um, improving the efficiency of known processes. Mm -hmm. You know, we 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 cranked out another two to three to four percent, and and that was really remarkable. And I don't know how long we wanted to find that error. Let's say it's the last decade. What's emerging today, as many technologists refer to as the third wave, as you know, is now technology that's going to allow us to reimagine the process itself, and 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 perhaps almost reinvent the process. And I was joking with you beforehand. You know, it's sort of you wake up and you say to yourself, gosh, can I go from point A to point B to point C to point D faster? And we've spent the last 10 plus years trying to figure out how to do that. And boy, guess what? We've learned how to do that faster. But then you wake up one day and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The data shows maybe I don't need to go to from point A to point B to point C. Maybe I just go from point A to point Z. Yeah. And, and that's this idea of kind of reimagining process. And I think there's two dimensions of that that I, that I personally find fascinating, but, but I can also see where folks are both excited but struggling with it. So the first is process geeks like myself, this is like a, a hallelujah moment. This is like our Super Bowl. It's like, oh my God, you know, now we can really, really get after this stuff. But even for some of those same process geeks that we're just used to, you know, following a linear process and getting more efficiency. I think for many of us, we're struggling because we realize, oh, 
the data might actually be showing us how to rethink the process entirely and to come up with a different process that's gonna yield an exponential difference in the way that we run our business. And one, one kind of additional point Bob will make to it is what's enabling this really is we've hit the tipping point in the, in the you know, use of sensors and data that can pass back from so many disparate areas of a, of a, a business process and including customer experience data that's starting to shift the way we think about this. And now the analytic tools and the adaptive software that is starting to challenge our assumptions. And, and I think challenge our assumptions in a good way. Yeah, Tony, it's interesting, you know, you, you described yourself as a process geek and that's a good story there. I think the other thing that you've had a lot of success with over this year is an idea about brand and brand promise, right? So. I was talking with some people the other day and I brought up that old, old story about Hewlett Packard where Hewlett Packard was so good with innovation and technology and so bad with marketing that one HP executive, it might've been the CMO said, if we had invented sushi, we would have called it cold dead fish. One of and my favorite lines, <laughs> yeah. So I, I thinking about what you were saying there, um, th this term that I'm gonna mention is technically accurate, yet it completely obscures that reimagination thing you put on robotic process automation right and yep. the whole image that conjures up is you know instead of having people do this you know same way i'm thinking it's something entirely different so i don't mean it's all a word game but maybe the tech industry maybe this fusion of the tech industry and the industrial sector of which you know thomas sits in the middle of that maybe we need to get a little more imaginative a little better at packaging some of the terms that come up so that people don't look at reimagination as something that only, you know, Disney and Tesla and a handful of companies in the world can do. It is there for all of us. And a lot of the tools, as you said, are, reb are right at our disposal. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, and if you, it, it's a great, great example, Bob. I think, you know, you think particularly for manufacturing. So sticking there. Boy, are, are there, is it a great example of the laws of physics at work, right? So all the laws of physics are at work inside of, of a factory when you go in there. But what's starting to challenge the laws of physics is we now have data that's, that's pointing the way that we might reimagine some process. So I'll give you a, a simple example, and you may have studied this and some of your listeners may be aware of this. Some of the auto companies are at the forefront of this, and I, I would use Mercedes-Benz as a great example of this. And you know, Mercedes-Benz makes some insane number of cars per day. Uh, you know, it, it's it's literally like a mind-boggling number. One of the things they did several years ago is they started to reimagine process. Is they they kind of had this this um, uh, what what some people refer to as the missing middle. So you you had these these human roles of what humans did and how they program machines. And then at the far end of the spectrum, right, you had these machine roles that the machine did things and interacted and all that stuff. And people have defined the points in between as the missing middle. And what, what Mercedes started to challenge was, well, wait a minute, maybe the answer to exponential lift is human plus machine. And maybe the data is showing us when and how that might actually make more sense from a productivity point of view. And so they started to change things. And interestingly enough, Bob, 
they started to reinsert human beings into the manufacturing process in certain areas where they found the productivity of how many cars they could do and then the quality, right? The, the, the air rate, if you will, when they measured that, it actually got more productive. So you would think, well, gosh, if we just automate everything, that's gonna be the ultimate nature of productivity. Well, the data actually showed something subtly different. And an example I would give you out of manufacturing and out of, of, of Mercedes is um, flying an airplane. So we don't talk about, you know, humans do this and the airplane does that. We talk about the pilot of the airplane. And I think the example that Mercedes and, and other companies are teaching us about um, process where humans and machines can actually be more productive by working together is very similar to a pilot flying an airplane. I think that's the future of what we're going to see, that it's not, oh, I do this and the machine over here does that. I think we've stripped all the, you know, the, the productivity out of that old model. I think the new model is, hey, as a human being, I can actually fly now. Talk about reimagining, right? And so these new technologies, and I think a lot of the data that spins from those technologies are showing us how we can have the equivalent in some of our job functions of the superhuman ability to fly. And, and I, I, I say that very directly. I really think this is going to be a revolutionary step. And, and primarily what I'm touching on here, Bob, is, is not just automation, but it's automation with adaptive technologies predict particularly around artificial intelligence or machine learning. Yeah, ton and it, it's it, the speed at which this ha this is happening is is extraordinary but and I know you had some thoughts on that but first I want to ask I think it's uh, uh almost all of your episodes but you you almost always have a terrific book recommendation. And yeah yeah, and, and in this one, boy, I, you know, I, I, I've read a couple of books that I'm going to mention here recently that I think your, your listeners would appreciate, but very germane to what you and I are talking about um, is the book Human Plus Machine. Um, and uh, it is, it is a, a, about the, the age of artificial intelligence really is the, is, is the focus of the book, but it's called Human Plus Machine. And I apologize, I can get it so that we can put it in the show notes, Bob the name of the two authors. Um, I think it's literally spectacular and it's probably one of the best books I've read on um, really directly applying some of the, the concepts of these very advanced technologies to very practical outcomes. And they, they literally cover from manufacturing to sales and marketing to it, kind of for, to retail. So it's not just pie in the sky, hey, here's what's gonna happen in 10 years. They give very concrete examples. And so I would encourage leaders of, of varying levels of technical expertise to read the book because it scales, if you know what I mean. If, you, if a CTO reads it, they're gonna find things in it that, that I, with less technical knowledge, probably wouldn't appreciate. But then again, I could understand the applicability to, to businesses. Um, the other book I would, I would recommend strongly to your, your listeners is, uh, Seth Godin's latest book, and it's called The Practice, Shipping Creative Work. And it is really interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll give something away. C creative work is all work. And, and he, he kind of connects this idea of our daily practices and systems and process, but combined with the, the focus on ship the work. Our job is to ship the work. And it's just you know beautifully done, and 
for Seth Godin fans, he, he writes almost in a haiku, you know, uh, if you will. So it's, it's a fairly quick read, but uh, those are two, two books I'd highly recommend. Oh, those are those are great, Tony. Thank you. Um, and we do want to talk a little bit about all these things that are happening that you said, which are enough to try to get your hands around, but also the speed at which this is happening. But first, just a, a quick word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So Tony, th these extraordinary things happening, changing not only the technology that's used, but the role as you've described of people in those processes where we thought it was, well, this is all machine or artificial intelligence and how about that term artificial intelligence right is there anything more real uh yeah than that right, right now yeah yeah but then tony there's a the a pace at which things are happening here that's uh just it's hard to imagine and i don't know if there's some po folks that are expecting well we got the vaccine on the way which itself is mind-bending in nine months correct but that correct. things will snap back to the way they used to be in 2021 yeah there's a great line, Bob, and I, I think I shared it with you. Nothing can happen for decades, and then decades happen in weeks. Uh -huh. And and I believe the quote is is attributed to uh, to then Scottish MP George Galloway. And boy, did it just hit me when I read that quote recently. And 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 let's see if we can unpack it with some some hard data, right? So if you look at the history of e-commerce and where it was as a percent of retail in the United States. In the last eight months, we've gained 10 years of e-commerce growth. It's now 27% of the market and climbing. So in essence, the way to think about this is retailers are playing in 2030 right now, not in 2020. So the, the pace and the velocity of change and the reality of the market, you could then argue that that pulls through for many of us. So if the world accelerated a decade in many respects, it doesn't mean, oh gosh, now we know what it's gonna look like a decade from now. It means, uh-oh, that means the expectations of the market that I thought I had a decade to catch up to are playing now. And, and I, I think that's a really, it's both exciting, but kind of sobering. And you know, the, the reality of it is, I think for most of us who have attempted to take this look of a post-corona world and what, systemic changes will live on and, and what will happen. You know, it's, it's um, the, uh, the optimist in me tends to always default to the ones that I think are remarkable changes and, and I think will be lasting changes and very positive changes. So I think if you look at what's happening in healthcare, you know, regardless of your, of your ground, I think you'd be hard pressed to suggest that the US healthcare system is, is, is optimal. And there's a lot of components that a lot of people would like to see changed. If you look at what's happened over the last eight months, 99% of people have been able to get medical care without setting foot in a doctor's office or in a hospital. The from to change there is telemedicine, but the bigger change is it was a forcing function for insurance companies to have to legitimize telemedicine, which they had never been willing to do before. So now look at this. And you look at the door that's now opened. Bob, look at creating a vaccine that on average would take upwards of 10 years 
was fundamentally crowdsourced by I don't know how many working physicians, we tend to talk about only two companies, but how many physicians and scientists around the world were crowdsourcing this phenomenon. And basically in less than 12 months, two very effective vaccines have been created and are actually in the market right now. And that is just, I, I think for many of us who don't come from science or medical backgrounds, that you're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, cool. You know, it's a little like coming out with a new car model. No, it's not. You know, <laughs> no. this is this is game changing. And so I, I guess trying to connect these things, Bob, I think these reimagining of processes, these harnessing of data and and uh, the power of some of these technologies, and then also realizing that we now have the ability for this to move so much faster. And there's good news about that. And then there's bad news. And, and, and I guess I, I'd also just connect it to, I think this is going to play out, Bob, in some industries much more acutely than in others. Mm -hmm. You've painted quite a compelling picture here for what's going on. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, I think, you know, of all of these threads coming together, what's possible, what's happening, this, not just a step change, what is it like? It's a, uh, an escalator change in the speed and the scale at which some of this stuff's happening. It's not isolated by, you know, you've got to be a fortune 500 company to do it. The cloud allows all sorts of companies to have every imaginable technology service, you know, at their fingertips on this. But you had mentioned that for some companies, this is going to be extremely beneficial for others. It's going to be quite troubling. How do you separate those two sets of results out? Well, isn't, you know, isn't that the $64,000 question, Bob, right? You know, so, it, you know, for, for those in your audience that play the stock market, right, and, uh, and buy individual stocks, imagine what they're trying to think through right now. So I think at some level, you've got sectors, right? And, and I think there are sectors that, um, that, that are, gosh, I hate to say this, but I think the pandemic is an extinction event to a great extent, right? So I look at things like movie theaters and some other things that are like that. And, and do I literally mean we will never have a movie theater again? No, but I, the, the example I always use, you know, uh, when, uh, when people try to tell me that, oh, hey, people still like reading print as they say, well, you know, people like riding horses too. That doesn't mean it's the dominant form of transportation. So I don't think movie theaters are going to never, never more. There will never be any more, but they will never come back even anywhere remotely close to what they were even at recent peaks of the last, uh, the last few years. So that's, that's one example. But if you look at retail, I think retail is a fascinating example of what's happening. Clearly, the retailers that have made major investments in what let's just you and I call e-commerce, and it's more mm -hmm. complex than that, but um, really engaging in technology, some are, are downright thriving. Like I look at what's happened at Walmart and, and just I, I, I'm just in awe of what they've been able to do. Here's a legacy company that frankly should be, Amazon should have kicked them to the curb years ago. And boy, they're going nose to nose with Amazon. Yeah. And they've done that. And you and I know they have a long, long history of technical innovation. The average person doesn't realize about how technically adept Walmart has been for a long period of time. But they went out and they bought Jet.com. And then they discontinued Jet.com. And you're thinking, oh, well, that was a waste. Well, guess who's running e-commerce at Walmart, the founder and, uh, and CEO of Jet.com, and their e-commerce trajectory is mind boggling right now. So I look at retail is gonna be very unequal as a sector. 
you know, retail is going to have a real challenge. But if you look at those retailers, Bob, that have invested in robust uh, technical infrastructure and, and particularly in things that we would argue is e-commerce, I think there's some real innovation. But if you take it even a step further, and this is happening more in Europe than it is happening in the US, there's a lot of really innovative technology that's starting to emerge in the retail experience. And it ranges from um, mirror technology that is permission-based with the customer. You've probably read about this, where it will recommend clothing and size options that's immediately available. It understands your purchase history and it will communicate you with you in a way because it can look at inventory and availability in a way that human being could never do. And in the privacy of a dressing room where there's no one else there with you. Mm -hmm. And you know, talking mannequins that can tell you about the clothing and actually only showcase it if it's currently available and let you know the options and size options. These are really interesting new innovations in retail. So there's a sector that I think as a sector, I don't follow sector analysis, but you know, I would imagine it's a downtrending sector, but there's gonna be winners and losers in that, in that uh, area that I think are, are, uh, are really interesting. We touched briefly on healthcare. And boy, I think you know, th this door that opens in telemedicine, Bob, and then I'll, I'll, I'll use the, the, the crowdsourcing through cloud technology and other things that's available for solving huge medical and scientific problems today. You know, we've seen a huge uplift in applications to medical school over the last year. It, it, it's, up, it's up about 30 to 40%. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? When you think in, in a pandemic, you probably got less people. They're like, man, I don't want the headaches of that. Well, you know what we're demonstrating is we can solve these problems. And we're demonstrating to a generation of young people, hey, I want to be a part of that. This looks cool. I, I can actually do these things now. And how, how great is that? And I think that's what's really cool. So I think you're going to see a lot of innovation in the, in the healthcare sector. Closer to my, uh, near and dear to my heart these days is obviously the manufacturing sector. Uh, without question, we're witnessing a complete and total renaissance in manufacturing around the world but particularly here in North America, you know, primarily based on advanced technology, but this phenomenon of, of what they call reshoring, where uh -huh. a lot of companies are now looking at manufacturing and realizing they can do so competitively in, uh, in North America. So Tony, you know, um, all those, uh, the, the points are very dynamic, very exciting. Thanks for walking us through all that. I wanted to go back. Uh, one example you had talked about with retail, and then earlier also you had talked about in auto automation and factory automation, those places where you say, well, over here is all the machine stuff, over here is all the human stuff in the middle, some mix, and that's all being rethought. Um, recently, I had read a transcript of uh, an earnings call by the, the you know, do-it-yourself hardware chain, Lowe's, and yeah. they have a relatively yeah. new CEO there. His name's Marvin Ellison, incredibly impressive guy. But he was going through a not mind-numbing detail, but pretty interesting to hear a CEO of a retail company speak about cloud technology and ML and AI in a business orientation. But he did a really good job at that. And at one point, as he seemed to be really sort of geeking out here, he stopped and he said, but none of that. He said, none of that is worth anything if we have people come into our stores and they don't feel welcome. Or yep. if we have somebody for a curbside pickup 
and you know the thing gets banged on their tailgate or something so he was really talking about this notion of you've got to marry this powerful technology that enables different outcomes with a sense of uh, corporate culture that prizes the customer that wants to dazzle the customer that realizes that today we have more choices than ever before it could go anywhere we want to spend our money in a million places so that um, that curious challenge in some ways their mix of challenges for ceos going into 2021 i think it might be more dramatic than ever yes they've got to be more technologically astute as leaders and as businesses and at the same time they've got to push harder than ever on this notion that every uh, every experience had better be a good one or else you know the odds of succeeding are just going to creep up beyond compare bob it's such a great great vignette and i i i'll go back and listen to that earnings call cuz i i think that that's that will likely be a great example of what we're talking about you know it's interesting going back to the example he gave about mercedes you know one of the reasons that they ended up reimagining their process is they looked at the customer experience, not the internal process experience. So what the customer experience was teaching them is people love the customizable options, <laughs> right? And, you know, hey, I, I want all the cool stuff, right? I, I want the, the you know, uh, cool features, but within the context of that, there's color options and all kinds of different options. And what they found is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't efficient to try to program and then on the fly reprogram the automated systems to do that. It was far more efficient if the systems operated and humans intervened as just-in-time needs created mm -hmm. the need to move the, that optionality around, which I thought was really interesting. I, I think this idea of reimagining process, Bob, is great, but if you don't have a true north to your point, how do I reimagine it? So do I, do I re, and that's why I think companies get so stuck on this idea that, okay, on Monday mornings, we go from this destination to that destination, to this destination, to that destination. Okay, Bob, go, I'm gonna see if you can do it faster, <laughs> right? And, and we all get stuck in that versus being able to say, hey, how does Bob going through all those destinations benefit the customer? Well, it turns out two of the destinations don't benefit the customer at all. Ah, okay. And, and uh, you know, my, my kind of simplistic example, Bob, is I think we all need to reimagine these processes around the customer experience, which is counterintuitive. I know it, it, it seems odd to say it. It's counterintuitive for most companies. The reality is they say that. It's a little like shareholder value. They say that's what they're thinking about. That's really not what they're thinking about, right? <laughs> and so you have to use the data to say, well, how does the, what is that customer experience look like yeah. today? What would be an optimal customer experience? And then can I integrate the use of technology with the human the, uh, perspective? The one last thing I, would, I would, um, would point out here is I think what's happening, Bob, is a lot of these technologies are, are, are allowing for what um, folks are referring to as rehumanizing work. If you think about what a lot of our companies have done is we've taken humans and forced them to work like machines. They're emulating machine behavior, oddly enough, as opposed to saying, hey, let the machines do what machines do well, which I think over time, Bob, what a lot of these systems are going to do is rehumanize it. You mentioned the, the CEO talking about curbside um, pickup. Well, if, if I can automate certain functions, I can now put more into training people. 
how to, how to make that a fantastic customer experience. Perhaps I give them more time to ask the customer how they're doing. You know, perhaps I, uh, I, can, I can afford to hire more people to help with that versus less, right? And, and I think this idea of the technology not only creating superhuman powers for humans, I think the, the other side of that is the ability to rehumanize, you know, work. A tiny boy, that's what a, what a wonderful goal that would be. And I think, um, you know, going into 2021, I hope uh, business leaders at all levels of any sort of organization are thinking about a couple things, right? They're truisms that we've all said too many times, but have not backed up with enough rigor. One is uh, people are our most important asset. Everybody says it. The other thing is, oh, yes, uh, now with our digital transformation, we've put the customers at the center of everything. And then is that true beyond the, the bromide point to the actual yeah. um, spinning out? And Tony, if I could, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you a detail question, going back to your notion about in the retail experience and some of these you know, highly intelligent mirrors that are, can be interactive. So I, I was calculating a little, I think it's now been close to 25 years that you have always given me great idea about men's fashion and style. Yeah. I, I yeah. can't say I've always taken it. That's my mistake. But let's say I go into one of those places and I'm trying on striped pants and a polka dot shirt. Could this intelligent mirror maybe give me a uh-uh-uh? Well, I think first, Bob, you should go in with the advice I've always given you. Do not wear white after Labor Day. Okay. Right? And vertical stripes are slimming, <laughs> horizontal stripes are not. Okay, so those are the two, I, you know, I, I've tried to get this across a few times now. Yeah. But, you know, imagine, Bob, all kidding aside, imagine, you know, as these systems adapt, that they, they, they might actually be able, as funny as it sounds, to, to give somebody, you know, advice that might in its own way be easier to accept. You know, I know the, the awkwardness, you know, when I was a young single guy starting to get into business, I'd wander into a, a department store like a Nordstrom's. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I, I you know, my, my uniform was, you know, jeans with ripped knees in them and a t-shirt for God's sake. And I'm starting to go into the workforce. And, and you know, I, I can remember when the first few salespeople that were good would help me put together, hey, this looks good on you. Hey, do you have ties? Okay, do you need a blue blazer? Do you need, you know, blah, 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 this kind of stuff. And they would map it to your budget. Well, imagine, you know, outfitting a, a retail sales reps, rep with so much data where they never made uh, a recommendation to you that wasn't spot on, right? They, they could know your price history. They could know your dimensions. They could know your color choices. In your, in your case, black always looks good on you. It's a very slimming color, by the way, Bob. I, I, I'm not suggesting let, that you need that, I, but I, how could I possibly interpret it that way? Huh? Okay. Well, Tony, I'm going to give you one more shot maybe to, uh, to wrap up, you know, this holiday season episode and, you know, some brilliant ideas here. That, that was a little hurtful. And I, I'd like to give you a chance to finish on a little more upbeat note here. Bob, you know, could I you? love you. It, you know, I only tease the ones I love and, uh, you know, I, I think what's what's common through our discussions, plural, that we always have, but certainly is in this one, is, you know, we, we are seeing just these remarkable, to use your point, these these escalator lifts in, in new capabilities. And I think as business leaders, 
we should both be, um, gosh, just, just excited and thrilled about this, but also start to think through how do we start in our individual businesses to understand how to deploy these technologies? Where can we? How can we? How do we start to get up to speed on some of these? And, and I, I think, how do we start to reimagine processes? How might that work as we go forward? How do we set up a, a process for evaluating and testing some of these new technologies? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, that's a, a really important thing. It's, it's a little buzzy to say, but we're, we're on the cusp of the future of work moment yeah. and, and really starting to rethink how work operates. You know, look at what we're learning from an extended period of remote work. Talk about rehumanizing work. Most people I talk to, you know, they're antsy to get back to an office or, but they also will tell you, gosh, it's been a long time since I've been able to have dinner consistently with my family. Mm-hmm. Boy, it, it, it's, it's really been a long time that, that I wasn't kind of fighting in traffic or standing on a subway or flying on an airplane. And the, you know, if I really add in all those hours that were incredibly unproductive, boy, I, it's kind of given me something back. Now, yeah. neither answer is right, right? Righteous is, as usual is somewhere in the middle, but I, I think so much of what we're coming through right now and the advances that we're seeing in technology and as we understand the crisis starts to hopefully get under control, and now we can start to do what you and I've been talking about is, what are the opportunities now? This is a time of remarkable opportunity, I think, both as individuals and as leaders and, and as companies. And I, um, I, I think it's just really exciting under some of those. And then to, just to, to round it out, it's been a fantastic year for you as well, my friend. A lot of positive uh, excitement in your family and the growth of uh, Cloud Wars Live. And I want to make sure that I wish you and your family a, a very, very happy uh, holidays and all the best for a very joyous new year. Tony, that's very, very kind of you. May I please share with you and uh, and all our friends here? I'm sorry, this isn't uh, I perfect, but there oh is a little cutest little pineapple ever. Oh my god, Rory! Oh. And uh, hey, I found the other day that over the decades, the uh, skills required for changing a diaper they can get a little rust, but they never, ah. you know, never quite go away. Never completely go. That's very good. I'm impressed, Tony. Thanks for that. And I just, you know, want to. This is wonderful. Always, always great. You, you, you push all of us to think a little bit differently, to look around the corner, not to settle for things. And summing up some of the the stuff you've you've put forward today, if any business person, whatever his or her position in a company, if you can't get inspired by the notion that uh, uh, yeah. multiple industries in nine months just created a vaccine yeah. far faster than ever before. Everything yeah. is possible. Anything is possible. And there's no reason to feel like, yeah, well, if my industry was just more interesting or exciting, if I had more money, blah, blah, blah. It's all a bunch of, you know, those are things we need to put behind us. Focus on these opportunities because goodness knows the technology is there, but your point, reimagination, and don't let the fear of leaving some old stuff behind hold us back because there's so much potential just around that corner, but we've got to break through and push hard into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as usual, Bob, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on in the book, human plus machine. They use the acronym of MELDS 
M-E-L-D-S. And if I can bring it up from memory, the first was mindset, which is really what you're talking about. You know, they talk a lot about, you know, we, we hold ourselves back and whether that's culture or own individual mindset. The other was experimentation. You know, they were pointing out, you know, this isn't, these aren't bet the farm investments anymore. And then the third is leadership. Oftentimes, whether it's about ethical use of artificial intelligence or other things, you know, we need to model and lead by example and think these things through. The D is data. And, you know, what is it? How do we work with it? What's appropriate? Where do privacy lines get drawn? Those types of things. And, and then the, the S was skills, you know, because as, as, you know, what's implicit in everything you and I are talking about is, you know, we're likely talking about enhanced skills for many of us going forward. And, and how do we think about that? How do we enhance those skills? How do we um, give people the right support and training? And, and perhaps there's talent gaps in our organizations. You know, one of the related things I was looking at some data, Bob, was people talk about the decline in manufacturing jobs in the United States. And yet there's 750,000 open jobs in manufacturing. And I could never, I could never quite rationalize these numbers. And everybody I would talk to would have a different point of view until I found out that the way jobs are tracked in manufacturing is if it's a factory job at a traditional factory job, right? It's that's the way all jobs in manufacturing are tracked. So if you're a software developer or an IT specialist or a big data person, your job's not tracked as manufacturing. So it's like, well, well wait a minute. We're hiring all, more people than ever to do these jobs, but they're different jobs. And so I think that, that represents the skills part of this is how do we, um, I, I don't think it's wholesale retraining we're describing here, Bob, but I do think helping ourselves let alone you know, the, the folks that, that, that we help to support in our businesses, make sure they do have the skills to, to be competitive as, as we go forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tony, that's a, that's a great thought. Good, good counsel for everybody on a number of fronts. Matt, please wish you and your family, friends, everybody, and all of you folks out there as well. Just a, a fantastic holiday season. Thank you so much for being with us. Tony, as always, thank you. It's, uh, it's always a treat to chat with you. Likewise, Bob. Thanks again. All right, folks, that's it. Happy holidays to everybody. Uh, we will see you again very soon, we hope, here at Cloud Wars Live, whether it's at the tail end here of 2020 or perhaps in 2021. Have a great season. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.